Welcome to the GMAT Strategy Podcast. You're here because you believe there's a better way to study for the GMAT, and so do I. I created the GMAT Strategy to maximize your results and minimize your efforts so you can get to the fun parts about business school and life as quickly as possible. My name is Isaac Puglia, and I've been teaching GMAT classes and tutoring privately for the GMAT for over six years, and I personally have achieved a 99th percentile score on an official GMAT exam and helped hundreds of students get into the business schools of their choice. I'm excited to be a part of your MBA journey since I think the world can benefit from the best possible business leaders that we can find. And if this show is bringing you value, please share it with your friends and family who are studying for the GMAT so that together we can make this process as easy and painless for as many people as we possibly can. Let's go. Let's talk about the GMAT essay. The first and most important thing that you want to know about the essay is that it is the least important part of your GMAT score. So you'll get many scores when you take the GMAT. You'll get a quantitative score, a verbal score, an integrated reasoning score, an essay score, and then a total overall score from 200 to 800. And the essay is the least important part of that. The quantitative score is probably the most important in the eyes of admissions officers. The verbal is a close second. And then a sort of a distant third right now is the integrated reasoning in terms of importance. And then the essay is a very, very distant fourth. Why is that? Why, why does the essay not matter a ton? Well, the main reason that the essay is on the GMAT is not necessarily to test your writing skills, but more to verify that you are likely the person who wrote your application essays. So what will happen is if you submit these flawlessly written application essays with your application to business schools, but then you get a very low score on the GMAT essay, business schools are going to think, huh, something's not really adding up here. It doesn't make sense that this person can't construct a reasonably well-written essay in 30 minutes, yet somehow if we give them months, they can construct these flawlessly written application essays. So whether or not that's a justified doubt, I am not sure, but it, it does make sense if you think about it from their perspective and if you think about the uh, the way people sometimes try to manipulate the process by maybe paying other people to write their application essays for them. So I do not recommend doing that ever, um, although it is probably wise to have people look over your application essays just to make sure that they're as strong as they possibly can be. So what is going to be a good enough score on the essay? The essay is scored on a scale of zero to six. It's very difficult to get a zero. You'd have to leave the essay blank or write a completely off-topic essay. Um, you don't really need a six, although it's fantastic if you can get one, but basically no business school out there is going to look at a six on your essay and be like, wow, that's amazing. It, it just doesn't help that much. So we just want a four or better, a four out of six or better on the essay, which really just means we're mostly trying to survive the essay and just get it done and get it done reasonably well and save most of our energy for the other sections of the exam. A four is somewhere around the 20th percentile in terms of scoring at the time of this recording. And so many people will not struggle at all to get a four, whereas many people actually might, um, particularly if you don't feel your command of the English language, in, in particular with writing, is very good, then I'm going to recommend some resources for you, and I'm going to give everybody a format to try to make the essay as easy as we can possibly make it. So 
First of all, just logistics, you're going to have 30 minutes on the essay to analyze an argument that's very similar to a critical reasoning argument. You'll have basic text editor functionality like cut, copy, paste, undo, and redo. And I'll give you a little side tip. This happened to me, actually, and one of my students uh, about a year ago, I think, last time I took the official GMAT. And my essay, when I was writing it, started typing in Mandarin characters. I, I was typing in regular old Times New Roman English. And then all of a sudden it started typing in Mandarin. And then the computer just glitched out and it, I could only type in squares. Now, it ended up being kind of a snafu with the test center. But at the end of the day, I learned that if you hit Alt and then the Shift key on your keyboard, so the Alt key and then the Shift key, it'll go back to typing in English. So just in case anybody out there is suffering that fate on the day of the test, that's, uh, that's how you get out of that situation. Um, so anyway, back to business here. Um, once you familiarize yourself with the logistics of the essay and you realize, okay, maybe my score is not good enough, then you want to get some resources to help you improve. Now, before we get into that, how, how would you know if your score is good enough or not? Well, on the official exam, half of your score is going to come from a human grader who will read your essay, and the other half of your score is going to come from a computer algorithm, which is going to quote-unquote read your essay and then assign you a score. And if those scores don't differ by more than a point, you'll just get the average of those two scores. So MBA.com at MBA.com, you can get a software called GMAT Write, and I would recommend that if you have any concerns about your essay score. If you download GMAT Write, you can write two essays into the software, and it will assign you a grade based on, I think, the exact same computer algorithm that will grade your essay on test day. So if you get a four or better on GMAT Write, you can probably not worry about the essay pretty much at all. I think you'll still benefit from the rest of this podcast because the, the uh, format I'll give you will make things easier for you. Um, but if you are really struggling to get a four on GMAT, right? Like you're getting ones, twos, threes, things like that. Probably the best resource that I've come across is either blog posts online. Manhattan Prep has some good blog posts on the essay. And also Manhattan Prep publishes an entire strategy guide about essay and integrated reasoning. And that's really, really good if you don't have good command of written English, you don't have a strong history of writing essays, especially under time pressure. And they go into unbelievable depth about the way the computer algorithm grades your, your, your essay and what you can do to capitalize on that and how you can improve your sentence structure and all kinds of nitty gritty details that I would basically just recommend that you go get from that book or from an, an online class or, a, or an in-person class. So if you have a private tutor or if you're taking a, an online or in-person class, chances are you'll have a segment of the class that gives you some essay instruction. And as far as I can tell, most instructors seem to do a pretty darn good job preparing people for the essay. Just in case you are not going to go those routes, uh, I'll give you my take on what I think the best way to write GMAT essays is. So you've got 30 minutes, you're probably going to want to spend at least the first five minutes, probably six minutes or so brainstorming. And when you're writing essays under time pressure, it's a really, really good idea to write down all the ideas that you want to express in the essay and map those out in an organized way so that when it comes to actually typing the essay out, you can just focus on how to write well. That'll usually maximize your score on timed essays. So what should you do while you're brainstorming? Like I mentioned, your job on the essay is to analyze a argument, similar to a critical reasoning argument. And the first thing you want to find is the conclusion of that argument, which is the author's main point. You want to write that down, generally. It doesn't have to be word for word written down, but you want to take some notes on, okay, here's the conclusion. I'm crystal clear on that. After that, you want to find the evidence, which is anything that supports the conclusion. So anything that makes the conclusion more valid, you want to write that down. After that, 
you want to come up with three what are called assumptions. And when we say assumptions, that's actually a pretty technical term on the GMAT. The GMAT thinks about argument assumptions in a very specific way. If you don't know, I'll tell you in a second, but if you have learned what assumptions are, I want you to just test yourself for a second and see if you can recall exactly how the GMAT defines assumptions. Now, just in case you don't know, there are three things you want to know about assumptions on GMAT arguments. First of all, they're not written down. If they were written down, they would be evidence that supports the conclusion. So assumptions, by definition, are not written already in the argument. So if you're copying something that's already written down, that's not an assumption the way the GMAT defines it. Second thing you want to know about assumptions is even though they're not written down, they are the invisible glue that is holding the conclusion and evidence together. It's, it's basically what allows you to logically traverse the gap from the evidence to the conclusion. The most important thing about assumptions that you want to know is that they have to be true. Otherwise, the conclusion will fall apart. So assumptions are not written down. They connect the evidence to the conclusion and they have to be true. Otherwise, the conclusion does, is no longer connected to the evidence and basically is logically invalidated. So you can look up examples of assumptions. I, I'm not going to go super deep into, into, into like an actual GMAT example in this particular podcast, although I may in the future. And definitely reach out to me if you're like, hey, I really want to know about this stuff, Isaac. You can find me at the GMAT Strategy on Instagram. You can find me at the GMAT Strategy on YouTube. You can find me uh, facebook.com slash the GMAT Strategy. You can ask me questions there, and I'll do my absolute best to answer as many as I can get to. Um, so let's, let's, let's do an example so that I can make this a little bit more real for you, and I'll talk through it the way I would do it on the essay. So let's say I have a prompt. I'm, I'm going to use kind of a silly prompt, but it'll it'll you'll hopefully get the idea. So I'm going to say my prompt is scientists in Nevada have recently discovered that the sky is purple. We should therefore update all of our textbooks worldwide to reflect this new discovery. So obviously a very short argument. You probably won't see something that short, but the second part of it is the conclusion. That's what the author is trying to convince us of. We should update all our textbooks. Why does the author think we should update our textbooks? Because scientists made this new discovery that in most cases would be seen as relatively revolutionary. So there's my conclusion there. There's my evidence. I'm going to shorthand write that down. Um, quick side note, every single possible essay prompt that you could see on a real GMAT is printed in the official guide for GMAT review. So if you're really, really curious what a real essay prompt looks like, you can go check that out. I wouldn't recommend outlining every single one unless you're unbelievably concerned about your essay score. But basically, you're going to see one of the prompts that is printed in the official guide. So you could be outrageously prepared if, if you wanted to. Um, so anyway, back to my example. We recently discovered the sky is purple. We should update all our textbooks. So I write down the conclusion. I write down the evidence. Now I want to come up with three assumptions. So three things that are not written down that connect the evidence to the conclusion and must be true. Otherwise, the conclusion is no longer connected to the evidence. So one assumption, if I, if I think about it deeply, one assumption that would have to be true to, to make the conclusion true is that these scientists are actually legitimate scientists. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to I'm going to write that down. So why does that have to be true? Well, if these scientists are not legitimate scientists, then it we probably should not update all of our textbooks to reflect their discovery. Like maybe they did actually discover that, but they have serious mental issues or they've been banned from the scientific community because they use, you know, really 
unethical methods or some something like that or maybe they just have zero credentials and they just you know got like drank a little too much one day and then they thought that they discovered the sky's purple but they really didn't so there's all kind of holes we could poke in in their credentials but basically if we can't trust these scientists if they're not trustworthy people then the discovery is probably not very trustworthy ergo the conclusion is probably not a very good idea so what the graders are, are looking for you to do in the essay is to demonstrate that you know what an assumption is, first of all, and that you know why they are important to consider in arguments. So I'll say that again. Your job is to demonstrate that you know what assumptions are and that you know why they are important in arguments. So one of the ways you can do that, and this, this can give you a really simple format that will be very effective, is you say, okay, here's my assumption. And then if that assumption is true, here's the real world impact based on the conclusion. And if that assumption is false, here is the real world impact on the conclusion. So I'll give you an example. So let's say my assumption is scientists are actually legitimate. And let's say that that assumption is actually true. Okay, well, if they're legitimate, that's great. This is a very groundbreaking discovery. Possibly this could lead to other awesome discoveries about the nature of our existence or physical reality on planet Earth. And so we should almost certainly update our textbooks to reflect this. So that would greatly strengthen the conclusion if that assumption is true, and also could have some pretty awesome impacts on humanity at large. So you want to say that you want to articulate that when you're writing your essay. Then what you want to do is think, okay, well, what if that assumption is false? And I went into some examples of, of how that could be the case. But I'd say if this assumption is not true, if these scientists are not actually legitimate, then first of all, this is an incredibly misleading piece of information. And we might be perpetuating fake news online by, by publishing it in the first place. We might be creating distrust of science in general amongst kids if we print something in their textbooks and then it turns out to not be true or the scientists turn out to be nefarious or really sneaky people. And so there could be many, many bad outcomes as a result of people not trusting science, an entire generation of children not trusting scientists. Uh, we can all imagine some of the difficulties that that could create in, in biomedicine, for example. So while you're brainstorming, you want to write down the assumption, and then you want to write down if this you want to write down true underneath that assumption or close to it, and then say, okay, here's all the stuff that would happen in real life if this assumption were true. And then you want to write down false and say, here's all the stuff that would happen in real life if this assumption were false. And you're going to build your essay around that structure. So in your first body paragraph, I'll talk about the intro in a second. But in your first body paragraph, you're going to have a topic sentence that says, here's the first assumption, we have to assume these scientists are legitimate. And then if that assumption is true, here's all the stuff that'll happen. And if that assumption is false, here's all the other stuff that could happen that would be bad. And then you'll close the paragraph by saying, that demonstrates why this assumption is important. You, you find some uh, articulate, awesome way of saying that. Please don't copy this verbatim, or everyone's going to get flagged for cheating, and we're going to have some serious, serious problems on our hand, okay? So really, what you're doing is just training yourself to think about arguments, think about the assumptions that underlie them, and then test those assumptions. Think about, well, if that assumption's true, what happens? If that assumption's not true, what happens? And you demonstrate your ability to do that during the essay. So let me just go through a couple more examples of what I would do if I were brainstorming this particular essay so we can clarify this stuff. So then I would write down a second assumption. What if it's true? What if it's false? Then write down a third assumption. What if it's true? What if it's false? And I'm going to aim for a five-paragraph essay, quick intro, one paragraph examining each assumption, and then a quick conclusion. So other assumptions here. A second assumption that is not written down that connects the conclusion to the evidence but has to be true 
is we have to assume that the methods that they are using in this experiment are legitimate. So even if they are believable, credentialed scientists, we have to assume that the methods they use to make this discovery are also credible. So what I'm going to do is say, well, if it's true that they are credible, then um, maybe these uh, methods could lead to other new discoveries, and we could use some of these testing methods to make discoveries about the ocean or make discovery about space or make discoveries about the sun or our solar system, something like that. And I, I just want to avoid being too repetitive with my first paragraph. It's very easy to just say the same stuff over and over again. You don't want to do that. That's going to hurt your score and it's it's going to make you look bad. So you want to try to be creative. You want to push yourself a little bit. The first few times you do it, it's probably going to be pretty hard. But after you get a little bit of practice with this, it'll get much, much easier and you'll realize you can often use it's the same types of examples over and over again, even if you have to adjust the particulars for whatever prompt you happen to be working on at that moment. So then I, I do the true and then I write down false. Okay, what if the methods, are, the methods they're using are not legitimate? Well, that could tarnish their name as scientists. It could tarnish the name of the, the journal that published the study. And maybe people are going to lose some jobs. You know, we got this publisher going out of business, or maybe the people who recommended that we update our textbooks are going to be sued and be financially liable for this, you know, misinformation. There's all kinds of bad things that can happen. And it's okay to be a little creative as long as your hypothetical examples are believable. Okay. Um, you, you can go far with this stuff, but you don't want to go so far that you're talking about aliens from outer space or something. It's, it's just like you keep it in the realm of what's believable and you'll probably be okay. So then I'd do a third assumption. I'd rack my brain and I would write down something like another thing that would have to be true is that the textbooks should be updated with every new discovery. Like maybe the scientists are legitimate. Maybe the methods are legitimate. Maybe this is a totally legitimate discovery, but we also have to assume that every new discovery or discovery of that mag uh, magnitude should automatically lead to an update in all of the textbooks. So what if that's true? What if it's true that we should always update our textbooks with each new discovery? Well, um, then that basically just means the conclusion is very, very important. Also that a whole generation of kids will know a very important truth and maybe we'll even inspire a new generation of scientists as a result of printing this stuff in, in the books. However, if it's not true that the textbooks ought to be updated with every new discovery, and maybe we should wait a little bit of, uh, of time to do it, then we risk losing a lot of money if we do update them too soon, and then we maybe have to backtrack because we discover that maybe the scientists aren't legitimate after all, right? And we just went too fast. We acted too quickly based on the discovery. And uh, again, that might lose the trust of an entire generation of, of students. So... That hopefully gives you an idea. That third assumption is not as strong as the first two, but it's okay. If you can only come up with two really strong ones and then your third one's a little weaker, that's, that's all right. Um, you can also get away with writing an essay just about two assumptions. Totally possible to get a four, as long as you do a good a job analyzing the what if it's true, what if it's false uh, framework. So hopefully that gives you an idea of how to brainstorm. So then what you're going to want to do, once you have your ideas fleshed out, is you start writing. You're going to want to write a quick two-minute intro. In the first part of your intro, you can just summarize the prompt so that your human reader knows which prompt you got, and they'll, they'll um, thank you for that. And then you're going to want to write a clear thesis. And your thesis is probably going to be the same every single essay that you write because your job is the same every time you write it, which is something like, hey, the, the argument is okay, but there are certain assumptions that we have to examine. So you find your own way to write that.
Then you'll probably want to spend five to seven minutes developing each body paragraph. Like I said, clear topic sentence, tell me the assumption that we need to consider. First part of your paragraph, tell me if it's true, why that matters. Second part, tell me if it's false, why that matters. And then wrap up with a quick concluding sentence for your paragraph that says, if we don't examine this assumption, we don't really know whether this conclusion is a good conclusion or not. And then you repeat that two more times for your other two paragraphs. Or if you're just going to do two assumptions, you repeat it one more time for a second body paragraph again. About five to seven minutes is a good time frame to aim for there. Once you've completed your body paragraphs, you want to save about two minutes for a quick conclusion where you can just summarize your argument. And that's usually enough to, to get you at least a four. If you're a really good writer, you might be able to get a five using this format, maybe even a six. At the end of the day, the last tip I'll give for the essay that I think is most valuable is just try to write as much as you possibly can. At the end of the day, that's pretty much the essay in a nutshell. So feel free to do some more research online. Feel free to reach out to me if you have questions. Otherwise, my greatest hope as always is that this will make your studies as easy and as painless as possible. If you want more tips and strategies for optimizing your performance on the GMAT, just head to thegmatstrategy.com and check out my video presentation on how to achieve your goal score in half the normal time with half the normal effort. In the meantime, this is a weekly show, so please subscribe and stay positive and stay consistent with your studies. I'll talk to you soon.